love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Okay, today we have a very special treat on the the How Though podcast because we're having our first ever guest. We're on the phone with Annie. Hey, Annie. Hello. This story that we're going to talk about, I can't do it justice by myself because it's the world's weirdest ghost story. (laughs) Yeah, truly. And it has such spiritual, no pun intended, applications for what we learned that day about Team Universe, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It was, I mean, it was definitely unforgettable in on many levels. Yeah. We went to Denver together. It was you, me, your sister, Erin, yes. who is a guest on my other podcast often, and we call her Erin the Medium. And then her friend, Brandon the Medium, whom I had never met. And we were meeting up in Denver. None of us live in Denver. We were just meeting there to go on a ghost hunt essentially for my Halloween episodes of humans dealing with humans. And right. it was me and the three mediums. We were calling all three of you. For your <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm less, less of that, but I mean, I have some spiritual sensitivity, but not like my sister. I just thought all of you were bringing such unique perspectives. I have no medium abilities. Really? I mean, I have some spiritual sensitivities. Like if I can analyze it from that angle, I can sometimes feel if there's a presence in the room, especially if it's mm-hmm. feeling something super emotionally strong, I can feel right. that, but nothing else. And so <laughs> I was there in my mind just to record the thing. I was just there to capture what happened between the three of you. Aaron has sensitivities with especially with emotional energy. Brandon has sensitivities with messages that are being relayed. He's kind of a messenger. And I think you're, I, you can describe your sensitivities the way that you think they are. But for me, from an outsider's perspective, yours is sensitivity to spiritual energy, but at the same time being able to interpret what your sister is trying to say in terms, <laughs> in yeah. terms of like, a regular person's understanding. So you're kind of like an interpreter medium. You can stand between (laughs) these two worlds and be like, this is what's happening on this side, but explain it in terms of what the people that can't see it. You know what I mean? I felt like you were kind of quite an interpreter, especially this particular weekend. Yeah. So we're there. We're following up on some ghost stories that Erin and I had discovered the very first time I met up with her in Denver for a ghost hunt. We were kind of trying to follow up on these ghosts that were in this one building that like used to be a jail. The first time we went there, we encountered just like all this negative and sad stuff. And we really didn't get any more information. That was when Aaron and I were just together by ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. when we came back this time, I I just wanted to go there. I just had this feeling in my gut. I just wanted to go and check up on those ghosts. One, because one of them really didn't like me. And I just, I had a really hard time with that. I just wanted to charm her into loving me. And right. another was I wanted to see if there had been any change in any of their stories or if they were even willing to like talk about themselves to us this time. We could tell there was a lot of underlying story there, but we couldn't get to any of it. No one wanted to talk to us, which I right. also found shocking. Like why? I, I, have, yeah. I, re- I have recording equipment. You don't want to say anything? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
this time we come back. And so walk us through what your understanding is of the day. I want to hear from your perspective how, how this felt to you. Yeah, we were just kind of taking the temperature of each location and seeing what everybody was picking up on. Was it positive or negative? I mean, what kind of impressions were you having about things? And right away, Aaron and Brandon picked up on a couple of specific people. When we were at the old jail, Aaron kept seeing a little kid that was kind of like peeking around the building and peeking around from behind the bushes. He was kind of hiding, but wanting to be seen. And then Brandon saw somebody like waving a white handkerchief, which led us to another location, which led us to another location. And we finally ended up at this old mill. Yeah. And when we got to the mill, Aaron said, it's that same boy that we saw over at the jail. He's here. And uh, so then we kind of gathered in a semicircle and we're looking up at the mill and just trying to figure out why the kid was there and what was going on. If you want to hear the full stories, then there are two episodes in which this whole mystery kind of unfolds. The first time that Aaron and I went to Denver in the first place, it's called... Dealing with dead humans, energies, and essences. And I think it was released in season two of Humans Dealing with Humans. Mm -hmm. And then the second time when we come back, and that mm -hmm. was just this last Halloween. So it was released in season six. And it was it's called Mystery at the Old Mill. And it's the Halloween episode from 2020. And it tells the whole story of how we kind of ended up following this teenage kid, basically. And where... This particular experience ends up for the but how, though. We're standing in this parking lot looking up at this building that is so tall because it's a mill. So there's like a tower and it's so tall. Mm -hmm. We can't really see anything except for that Aaron immediately picks up on the presence of a man in the mill in the very topmost window, of course, the spookiest mm -hmm. place. <laughs> I mm -hmm. felt like a, I really did feel like legitimately the Scooby-Doo crew. Yeah, <laughs> it really totally. kind of was. We just missed that. We didn't have the mystery machine. Yes. Otherwise. Or a dog. Or a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but we were following clues um, mm -hmm. from place to place and then getting feedback. We were legitimately getting feedback from the other side that we were on the right track and that we were doing something yeah. good. That's, yeah. it was so interesting to have that feedback. Um, yeah. I even pulled the heart rock out of my purse when I cleaned it out the other day and I was like, oh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So we should explain the heart rock thing. So Brandon, the medium gets heart rocks. Like he sees heart rocks, just rocks shaped like hearts whenever he's mm -hmm. on the right track, which I, at first, the first time he said it, I was like, okay. I mean, the rocks <laughs> are like clouds though, you know, like you can look at it and see anything. <laughs> Of course, right. you could say there's a heart in that rock. But then he showed me the first heart rock and I was like, oh, that actually really does look like a heart. And then it was within five minutes, he saw another one and it was like, oh, so this is an actual thing for you. And then we saw like yeah. four more. Yeah. Or, I mean, no, crazy. a total of four. Yeah. Like it was really funny because right before we got to the mill, Aaron was remarking how Brandon, we were talking about how Brandon was getting these heart rocks to let him know he was on the right path. And Aaron said, oh, I usually get black cats. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and she's like, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of strange that I haven't seen any. And I, I am not, we looked up right then because at that point we had been looking at the ground looking for heart rocks. Mm -hmm. And she looked up and right in front of us was a giant black cat painted on a window. <laughs> uh-huh. It's true. And then we get to the old mill and then we're all like, okay, so now what? And in my heart, I just like, 
just let it all unfold. You know, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're here for, but let's just figure it out. Tell us about the man, Annie. Tell us about the man in the window. Okay. So I caught a glimpse of him through the spyglass, but I just like someone peeking. It was just someone peeking around the corner looking out the window. Okay. Yeah. But we had he, a spyglass to help us to, to look up at the window. So that's what she's talking about when she says the spyglass. So some of the impressions that they were getting were that this man had been not a nice person in his life and that he had been the caretaker of this other spirit, the little boy that we'd been seeing all day, then that he was not nice, that he did not treat him well, that he was abusive to him and that the boy didn't even dare like make eye contact with the man because he was just so afraid of him. And so all of us, you know, especially because we're moms, we like, Ooh, you know, this guy hurt a child and all our <laughs> mother instincts come out and we've got to help the little boy is kind of where it started. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was super interesting because Aaron was getting snippets of conversation from the boy that had occurred. So she could actually hear echoes of what Mm -hmm. this man had done and said. And I loved watching you, Annie, because you immediately felt so defensive for this boy. Your hackles raised. You were in complete mother bear mode. It was beautiful. And it made a lot of sense. Truly. I did not feel any of that because I hadn't seen the boy or the man. I couldn't see what you guys saw. And I didn't hear any of the echoes, feel any of the feelings. So to me... All I knew was that there was a human being up in that building that could hear us and see us. And he knew we were talking about him and we were making judgments about him, even though we didn't know him. So I felt the shame of being judgy. I felt like I was being a judgy Mm -hmm. hoe. So then I was like, (laughs) I immediately felt like I got to be more empathetic and think, well, that guy's a real guy. We're not talking about some villain in a, in a story. He's standing right there. And Mm -hmm. so it made me feel, it made me empathize with him. And then I had to think, okay, well, only like what you were saying, hurt people, hurt people. And Mm -hmm. so if they were in this toxic cycle of he was dominating this kid, it started with him somewhere because people don't typically tend to harm other humans unless they've been harmed. Right. And so that's what I immediately felt was empathy for this man, which was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, which was good because we were all like honing in on the kid and you're just How do we save "Um." him? How do we get him out of this? Yeah, yeah. But that was a more compassionate insight. I don't know if it was more compassionate, but it was the same level of compassion. That's the thing. Right. You guys were feeling compassion also. For the kid. Yeah, Yeah. we were feeling it for the kid though. But what you said was like everybody deserves to have healing. Right, because the next few moments, I felt very uh, privileged by the next few moments because- after saying that, okay, usually, so if yeah. he's hurting this boy still, it's because he's been hurt. And, and I just wanted to say it. And I'm like, I don't really know how to help these people. I don't really know if there's anything we can do. But when I was saying those words, I don't know if there's anything we can do. I felt, <laughs> I felt a little nudge, like a very specific team universe nudge. And team universe nudges for me feel really specific. I don't know how they happen for mm-hmm. you. There's almost like a gravity added to it. It's a thought. It's just like a, an inspiration of, oh, I might do this, but there's a certain level of gravity and weight added to it that makes it yeah. so it's not, I know it's not just mine. 
that's right. the only way I can think of to describe it because it still feels like a thought that originated with me, but just with a tiny bit of added weight and gravity, sometimes with a lot of bit of weight and gravity added to it. Right. Depending on how quick the action needs to happen or right. how dramatic the action. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Exactly. Thank you. And so then I, I felt there had been something that I had studied that week about repentance and about Jesus that really struck me and helped me understand how Jesus helps us to come back. The nudge that I felt was that I needed to bear witness of that to this man. So I needed to yeah. like legit like address him and tell him what I had learned <laughs> that yeah. week. No, I'm laughing because it just felt so, yeah, even though it's like bizarre, like, I don't think that kind of stuff is coincidental. I just, I don't No, nothing about that day felt coincidental. I felt the weight Mm -mm. and the gravity of team universe the entire time, every building we went to, every clue we followed, it felt Mm -hmm. so deliberate. And so because of that, I also felt like this story that is unfolding with these two people that we don't know, these dead souls, we have no idea who they are. I am not connected to them through family. I didn't see them or hear them like you guys, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. connected to them, but it is so important to team universe. I felt it. And, mm-hmm. and so it kind of felt like a privilege to participate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then Erin also got the, this feeling and she said, I feel like Annie, you need to talk to this boy because you felt that instant defensive connection of like, I'm going to protect this boy as if I was his mother. Mm-hmm. I could see it in your face, but feel it radiating off of you, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was so beautiful. I just, you have to know that. And <laughs> and then she said to me, and you need to talk to this man. Would you be okay addressing mm-hmm. him? And then at that point, it was felt like far too sacred. We had to like <laughs> turn off the recording equipment because I'm like, I don't know if we can use this for a podcast, which is kind yeah. of ironic because here we are using it on a podcast. I didn't right. really put that together before. <laughs> Well, but this is this is a spiritual based t- podcast, right? So it is. it is completely fitting, right? So I talked to this man. I just I don't really know exactly how to describe the feelings that I felt because I didn't know him, but I could picture him in my mind's eye clearly, as distant from me, but completely attentive, like listening to me. Mm-hmm. He was definitely paying attention. I felt it. The thing that I had learned that week that really helped my mind was when he was talking about repentance, Jesus had used the words gather and nourish, but it was like, I will gather you. I will nourish you. And I realized that those are two basic human emotional needs that Mm -hmm. we have to feel that sense of belonging. And if we don't feel it, we actually do fight for it. Sometimes we fight, we posture, we engage in competitions of superiority intellectually or physically or whatever, so that we have this sense of belonging. Then the nourishment is like that drive to be filled. And in a physical sense, when you do not have that need met, the hunger need met, you can focus on almost nothing else. And so in a sense, Jesus was saying, you can't even be capable of repentance until these two basic human emotional needs are met. And I will meet those for you. And when they are met, then those are the conditions under which you can look at your heart. And turn back to me. I kind of explained my take on that and how it felt to me. And then I felt very strongly that I needed to let him know there was a seat for him at the table because he's a human being. And that Mm -hmm. Team Universe has to come to all of us 
in a way. And it doesn't matter yeah. to them whether they have to take 10 steps to us or 25 steps to us. Meaning if I did something small, wrong, or big, wrong, they still have to take steps towards us because it's still, we, we all fall short. And so right. for him, having this anger and this shame surrounding what he had done, that none of us were going to sit here and focus on what he had done. What we're focused on is nourishing and gathering. And so he needed to know that there was a place for him at the table. So as soon as he was ready, no one cares what he did because that's between him and God. Right. It's just, you need to know you're welcome. So come, because we all did crap. I think Brandon's exact words were like, we were all jackasses or something. And I was like, it's so true. We've all been on both sides of the human equation, the harmer and the harmed. Absolutely. And, and so once I, once I said those words, I felt, I felt very free. And then you turned and were able to address the boy and help Mm -hmm. the boy feel safe enough. We kind of describe it in the podcast episode, but feel safe enough to leave essentially, right? Because he right. Had felt trapped. Yeah, to, to like break the cycle and to actually go with his family. How did that feel for you? You feel love, but you know, it's not, it's not from anything that you just did or it's not coming from you. Yeah. I felt love and it was because this family had for his, their child and they were finally reunited. Yeah, I felt very vicarious, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so cool. And then all of a sudden, Aaron and Brandon at the same time were like, oh, he's gone. And then we looked up Mm -hmm. at the mill and she's like, oh, that other guy's gone too. And -hmm. it was like the weirdest feeling because all the four of us were just standing in this empty parking lot going like, now what? (laughs) I know it was, it was very surreal because it just, you know, it had been this whole drawn out thing throughout the day. And then in a matter of moments, there was resolution. Yes. And it was over. And my takeaways were this toxic cycle that had been going on since they were alive. I have no idea how long ago those people were alive. Yeah, I don't know anything don't about either. that. And I don't Mm-mm. know how long they had been sitting in their deaths locked in this battle. Right. I don't know. There were so many takeaways. But the first thing was, for me, alive or dead, it matters. Yeah. Our peace, our love, our ability to, to join the team totally matters. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I thought was interesting about it is that in the scriptures, it talks about that whatever degree of learning you attain to in this life, it will go with you in the world to come. But also, whatever vices or struggles or issues or unresolved things that you have in this life will also go with you in the life to come. And so it's going to be easier to take care of those things when you have a physical body than when you are a spirit. Also, the peace that it brings, like you could more more fully enjoy a life, it kind of made me sad for the man of what, what had he missed as far as human experiences go because he was locked in this toxic cycle? What had exactly. he missed? And not like we have to sit there and, and wallow in that because his story just didn't turn out that way. And his story, it's fine. It's fine. His story, I'm sure, unfolded exactly as it was supposed to unfold. But thinking about all the tools that we have now, I mean, it's 2021. We know a lot about psychological issues now. Right. That, right. that people just didn't have a hundred years ago. We have a lot of resources and it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Breaking yes. that cycle, they had to liberate their minds and having other people share a few things with them was all it took. And then they both did yeah. it on their own. Yeah. Like give them permission to mm-hmm. change their circumstance, to change 
this pattern that they were in and they both did. And they both did. Yes. That's why it was so amazing. And to think about that in terms of our, our sphere of influence that we have right now. Okay. We don't have like a lot of influence over dead people all the time, but that's not really the point. We do have a lot of influence over ourselves and we have a lot of influence over the people with whom we interact and always mm-hmm. having that level of love and accepting the good and the bad, knowing that in order to correct it, Team Universe has to meet us regardless mm-hmm. of how many steps they have to come to us. And mm-hmm. and every single one of us is going to require that. So taking that grace that we give ourselves and then applying it to the person next to us even under really like difficult circumstances, that connection, the love that I felt, that was like, that was invaluable. I will never forget that. Well, and the other thing that I think is interesting too is like, makes me think about what kind of energy am I putting out? What kind of intention am I putting out into the world? Because clearly for these two people, this kid was putting out a lot of energy of fear and this man was putting out a lot of energy of, you know, anger, hatred, whatever. It was tangible. It left a mark because it kept replaying over and over. And so one of the things that I took away from that is, wow, I really need to be conscious, more conscious about what my energy is, what is the intention behind my energy? What am I, what am I drawing to me? Is it good or is it bad? Especially when I think of that man and what kind of hurt he had or sadness that probably became anger, am I drawing those things to my life. And I'd like to break that cycle while I'm still alive. Yes, because for him, it literally made the difference between imprisonment Mm -hmm. or being completely free. And when you like, I think it's really interesting that you would have that take to look at your own energy and say, what am I intentionally or unintentionally doing with it? Because you can put yourself into a cycle unknowingly. I mean, nobody knowingly enters into that kind of captivity. Right. But when it occurs the realization that this is not serving me and I actually Mm -hmm. have power and control over it. Sometimes it takes another person saying it. Sometimes it just takes some sort of realization. But if you are feeling a negative trap, if you're feeling a negative prison cell around your heart, sometimes Mm -hmm. it might be a good time to start praying about that. Like, how do I get out of this? Because, because you can be led into certain situations that will help you get free of it. I'm not saying it's going to turn into a ghost story because it's going to unfold in any number of ways for you personally, but just having team universe help you with it. Clearly they care. Clearly they care. They can, they can see the whole picture. Yes. Which, you know, we, we only have our limited view of what's happening right now. They can see forward, back, all around, at a distance. And that's why it's so important that we're living our lives in a way that we can have that kind of like open communication and that we can have the faith to act on those impressions that we get and do, do those things. Because as you say, Team Universe, they want us to be happy and they'll do anything to help us. But a lot of times it requires asking an action yes. first on our part. And they, they really will do anything. They will hold nothing back from us. It's amazing. And thinking about that weekend, what a privilege it was to be there. All four of us were from very different walks of life. We were coming from different Mm -hmm. cities. And we all met together there just for a few hours. And every single one of our skills and every single one of our perspectives was required in that particular moment. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. And Team Universe didn't hold anything back. They were like, oh, you know what's going to be necessary in order to save, I don't know, Jimmy and Dean over here. Right. (laughs) Right. 
is uh, these four people. So let's take them to Denver. And they did, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and just to be able to be a part of that. I feel so lucky. I feel so yeah, it lucky. Was, it was pretty amazing. I hope that we can all remember that these situations that we can get ourselves into emotionally, they take hard work. Like there's no such thing as a magic wand waving and having these problems solved. Not even death is that mm-hmm. magic wand that is going to solve that problem. And, and so being able to say to yourself, it's okay to have a question, but that it's important to actually ask the question so that you can be open to the resolution because you don't know what the resolution is going to be. It could be a podcast host and three mediums in Denver. You don't know. (laughs) They can use anything. (laughs) One of their favorite questions is really, but how though? 